So tonight, let's come to the valley gate. The valley gate was used by Nehemiah to inspect the ruins of Jerusalem. If you have your Bible open there, go to chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible open, get it open right and quick. And go to chapter 2 of Nehemiah and look there at verse 13. Nehemiah 2 and 13. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley. So there's the valley gate. Even before the dragon well and to the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. So he he goes out at night in the darkness on his own. And then look at verse 15. He comes back in. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley. And so it so returns. So he goes out by the valley gate and he comes back in by the valley gate. And then, of course, as we have already noticed in chapter 3, then Nehemiah and his friends, they start to build the valley gate. So what about this valley gate? What can we learn from it tonight? Well, this gate led out into a low place. In other words, it led out into a valley. I suppose that's why it's called the valley gate. It led out into a low place. I believe the valley gate speaks of humility. Humility. It's a a scarce commodity today. Even in churches. Humility. It's so important. It's It's a precious jewel in any church. In the life of any believer, it's something the Lord greatly values is humility. I could talk tonight. I could teach about the need for us to have humility. That would be a study in itself. There are many verses that remind us as believers that we are to be a humble people. But I want to take a different tack tonight. And I want us to think about the humility of the Lord Jesus. Because he's the great model of humility that we must seek to emulate. He's our example tonight. Oh, the humility of the Lord Jesus. And I want us to study some incidents in his life tonight. And we're, we're going to be turning to different passages. It's going to be a wee bit like the, the service this morning. Not really a Bible reading on its own as such. But just different scriptures. As we look at the humility of Christ. As we look at the valley gate. As we think about how our Savior metaphorically went to the valley gate. He went down low for us. You see, there's a wonderful verse in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. You don't have to turn to it if you don't want to. 
Let me read it to you. Philippians 2 and 8. And I'm sure some of us know it anyway. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Mark those three words. He humbled himself. Those words deserve to be up in lights. The Lord Jesus humbled himself. He went to the valley gate, as it were. Let's think about him as he humbles himself. Well, first of all, let's consider when he left heaven. Let's think about how the Lord Jesus left heaven for us. He had to humble himself in order to leave heaven. You see, 2,022 years ago, there was a farewell service in heaven. Or a valedictory service, if you like. I remember when I was leaving Five Mile Town... To go to Bible college, we had a valedictory service. That was, the, it was a bit of a mouthful. Uh, Joe Bloggs hadn't a clue what the word meant. But it, it, it just meant farewell, leaving. And I'm so grateful for the support of my home church there in Five Mile Town. And a lovely Bible that I still have in the minister's room that was presented to me that Saturday evening. With the lovely text of scripture, Psalm 32, so beautifully written on the, on the flyleaf. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Given to me with the love of my brothers and sisters in that congregation. And um, Pastor Humphrey. And that they were all such a tremendous support to me. I will be eternally grateful for them. The valedictory service, but I want to tell you tonight a little about the valedictory service for the Lord Jesus in heaven when he left heaven to come into this world to save sinners. Oh, he humbled himself. What a stoop it was for him. He stooped down from heaven to this earth and then he stooped down even further when he went to the cross. What a stoop. The king who became the beggar. You see, that's what the word means there. You see that word fashion in Philippians 2 verse 8. Let me read it again. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Fashion In the original Greek, it, it's the idea, it's painting a picture of a king leaving aside, taking off his royal robes and putting on the robes of a beggar, the rags of a beggar. Next May, our new king, King Charles, will be crowned as the king. He's not, a, he's not going to be putting on beggar's rags, mind you. No, he'll be, he'll be robed in the finest clothing possible. 
clothing, garments, robes fit for a king. But what about the king of kings, the lord of lords, who was robed in majesty, robed in light, robed in divinity, but he left it all aside for us. And he became a beggar for us. Ah, the king who became a beggar. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we love him? The prince who became the pauper. Prince of peace. The prince of life. The prince of glory. Becoming a pauper for us. Sure didn't we sing about it earlier. The couch, we we sung that lovely hymn earlier, 164. The sod was thy couch, O thou Son of God. The sod, the cold earth, was his bed. While other people went to their homes at night, he went to the Mount of Olives or wherever he could find somewhere to lay his head. The king who became the beggar, the the prince who became the pauper, our wonderful redeemer. He left heaven. He was at the valley gate. But then he was born of a virgin, wasn't he? Born of a virgin. We'll be thinking about that, focusing on that when we hit the month of December. Zooming in on the miracle of the virgin birth. The Logos, you see, that's the title that we give to the Lord Jesus. The Logos, the word becoming flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here he is, the great Logos, the eternal word of God. The Lord Jesus, the image of the invisible God. God wanted to express himself to lost humanity. How was he going to do it? He was going to do it by means of his only begotten son. A man would be born of a virgin. A wonderful, spotless, incomparable human being. Born of the Virgin without sin. Mary wasn't without sin now. The Roman Catholic Church has got it totally wrong. She's not the Immaculate Lady. It's only Christ is Immaculate. And in order for the Lord Jesus, the great Logos... The great eternal word to become human. He had to enter into our world via the virgin's womb. He came to the valley gate. He humbled himself. Let me try to help you tonight to understand the shame of his virgin birth. You see... When he was fully grown, the Pharisees 
ridiculed him. They insulted him. Listen to what they said about our perfect Lord Jesus, our spotless Savior. Listen to what they said in John 8 and verse 41. We be not born of fornication. That's what the Pharisees said to Jesus. What were they insinuating? <laughs> See you, Jesus. You're the product of Joseph and Mary sleeping together before they got married. You're the product of fornication. Shame. As they taunted him. Mary and Joseph came together before wedlock. Lord, or you who claim your Lord, you were born out of wedlock. Who do you think you are? How dare you preach to us? You see, do you see, folks, the shame that he had to endure throughout his life, stemming from his birth? Oh, he knew, the lovely Lord Jesus knew that it was the virgin birth, the miracle of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. But the wicked Pharisees, they said, Lord, uh, Jesus, you're an imposter. You were born in sin. But we know that he wasn't. We know that he wasn't illegitimate. No, we know that he went to the valley gate for us. And he endured all the ridicule, all the shame. All the contempt. He, he knew what it was to walk down the road and the people who met him would move out of the way and go to the other side of the road because they didn't want to be associated with him. See the humility that he underwent for us. But then come with me to the Jordan River. Because in Matthew chapter 3 and 13, if you'd like to turn with me. I'm going easy on you tonight. I'm not asking you to turn to as many um, verses as you thought. But Matthew 3 and verse 13. And John the Baptist is baptizing people at the River Jordan. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it tells us, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan, unto John, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? John felt unclean. Do you ever feel unclean? Do 
Do you ever feel like crying out, I am unclean? I'm unclean. I, I do every time I stand behind this desk. Every time I take communion. I could go on. <laughs> Who are you to be taking communion? Who are you to be preaching and teaching? Ah, there's many a time I feel like John the Baptist. John didn't feel worthy. He didn't feel good enough to baptize the Lamb of God. Lord Jesus, I need to be baptized of you. Lord, have you not got it the wrong way round? You're the Savior, I'm the sinner. Can we not reverse roles here, Lord? I will gladly be baptized by you. John felt like the leper, you know, in the book of Leviticus. He's got to cry on, clean, on, clean, and ring the bell. Whenever the Holy Spirit has done a work in your heart and life, you will feel exactly like John the Baptist. I mean, I mean like to your dying day. Christian. I mean, John's a Christian, isn't he? Would all agree? The forerunner of our Lord. I mean, he's well saved. But he feels unclean and undone and unworthy. We're in good company tonight, brothers and sisters. So what does Jesus say? Get away of that, you old rascal. You're not good enough to baptize me. Definitely not. That is not what our lovely Savior said. Listen now to what he says in Matthew chapter 3. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it. To be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. What was the Lord Jesus doing? He was taking the sinner's place there in the Jordan. He said, Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus was taking the sinner's place by being baptized. I mean, everybody else that John has baptized here, everyone else is a sinner and they're confessing their sins as John puts them down into the waters of the Jordan. And the lovely, spotless, Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. He takes the sinner's place. He takes your place. He takes my place. He, he identifies with us. And it's all about righteousness. Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, let me paraphrase it. The Lord Jesus went down into the waters of Jordan 
to give us his perfect righteousness. That robe of righteousness. I got it on the 19th of November 1989. I'm not going to tell you what age you was. For then you'd only be working out my age, wouldn't you? I don't care anyway. Some of you probably know my age. But that night I got a, I got a coat that night. And I've had it ever since. A robe of righteousness. It'll never wear out. It'll get me into heaven. Aye, it's the wedding garment. I know that many of you have it. Maybe all of you have it. I hope all of you. Have, I hope every one of you have it. Hope you're not dependent on the filthy, disgusting rags of your own good works. For they let you down. Ah, the lovely Lord Jesus, there he is. He's leaving heaven for us. The king becoming the beggar, the prince becoming the pauper. Ah, he's at the valley gate for sinners. Aye, then he's in the virgin's womb at the valley gate down low for us. And then he goes to the river, goes to the Jordan to be baptized by John. He's at the valley gate providing a perfect garment of salvation for every one of us. Baptized. Now let me finish. As we think about this great Savior who was baptized for us, tell me, have you been baptized? I wonder if there's anybody here tonight, a child of God, and you've never been baptized. Don't you neglect this ordinance that the Lord has honored. Oh, he has honored it. And if you've never been baptized, you can be baptized. It's something the Lord wants you to do. You don't have to pray about it. I hear Christians sometimes saying, oh, I'll, I'll just pray. I'll pray about it and I'll see how the Lord leads. Why would you pray about something that's clear in the Word of God? You obey the Lord and He'll bless you if you've never been baptized. And we'll get it arranged and maybe there'll be more than one. And maybe we'll have a, a joint service with some other um, congregation. And it'll be a joyful occasion as, as you go down into the waters of baptism. It's not, it'll not save you, you're saved already, but you'll be just nailing your colors to the mast. And you'll be saying, I'm one of his. I belong to the one who went down into the waters of death for me at Calvary. I belong to the one who came back up three days later from the grave for me. I belong to him. I'm the property of Jesus. 
We must finish. Then I want you to turn with me as we do finish to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. It's the upper room. Time is gone, but let me just mention this to you. John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended... So the supper's over. Now notice what the Lord Jesus does in verse 4. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Can you see the lovely Lord Jesus down on his knees at the feet of his disciples, at the dirty, smelly feet of his twelve disciples. He's at the valley gate. What humility. The great logos becomes the doulos. That just means the slave. The Logos becoming the Doulos. The eternal word becoming the lowest slave. You see, the Lord Jesus was prepared to do anything in order to to save and to bless the fallen sons of men. And if he could wash feet... Then there'll be no job too dirty for us, will there? As his, as his followers, as his people. We'll be, we'll be quite happy to clean toilets for him. We'll be quite happy to mop floors for him. We'll be happy to empty bins for him. No task too mean for our precious Savior who went to the valley gate for us. 594 is our closing hymn. 594. First and last verses, please, of Charles Wesley's great hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, Joy of Heaven, to earth come down, fix in us. Thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. 594, verses 1 and 4, as we come to a conclusion. Let's stand.